The Library of Congress has been on a long-term quest to digitize what it can of its collection and find new ways to connect with the public online. Now its Digital Innovation Lab has a new chief. Nikki Saylor joins me now. Ms. Saylor, good to have you on. It's great to be here. Thank you. Let's begin with what the Digital Innovation Lab does and where it kind of fits into the general structure of the Library of Congress. So the Digital Innovation Lab, it's a place that exists to encourage innovation uh, with the library's digital collections and, you know, innovation writ large as well. The library has uh, a digital strategy and a lot of what labs does is to try to support that strategy through experimentation. All right. So what are some of the top projects the lab is working on right now that you're going to start overseeing here? I'm about a month into the job, by the way, so I am brand new. But the one project that is going on right now is an innovator in residence program. And so we've had history of different people who receive residencies and do amazing things with the digital collection. You might have heard about Citizen DJ. That was a year ago where Brian Fu did some really wonderful work with uh, rights-free music and making it available for sampling. And so we've got another innovator in residence this year who's doing a speculative annotation project, and that'll be uh, released here later this month, I believe. So and speculative annotation students, is... Right. So what it is, it's putting digitized materials into an interface where students and others can annotate it as a way of learning about history and engaging it in kind of a new and innovative way. So I don't want to preempt anything for later, but it's the latest uh, of those experiments. But there's all kinds of amazing things going on with cloud computing and trying to really see if we can get researchers who want to work with big data using that at scale and that kind of thing. So there's an amazing amount of things happening. A lot of that research and doing cloud computing then is predicated on the need to digitize more and more of the collection. And give us a sense of the range of items that are in the collection. People think of books in a library, but the Library of Congress has probably every known medium of all mankind. Right. So we have an amazing amount of digitized materials that were made from analog, right? So digitized manuscripts and notebooks and things like that. We have digitized reel-to-reels that are now audio files, but we have an amazing amount of born digital collections. So things that have never been analog that come in to us as digital. So it ranges from, well, every every format uh, you can imagine, there's wax cylinders and there, there's born digital. And with respect to those things that are digitized after having been analog, doesn't that also increase the ability to learn about them and learn more about them? Uh, the thing that's coming to my mind is the 100th anniversary of the birth of Earl Garner, one of the most amazing minds and pianists we've ever seen in the jazz world. When things are digitized, is it possible to delve into the structures and to what can be learned from them in a much more profound way than you could by just listening to the tapes or the LPs over and over again? Well, absolutely. Uh, having something in digital form enables all sorts of ways of approaching materials that aren't accessible in the analog world. And so, yeah, you can look across a corpus of material using computers and learn some amazing things you can't when you're going one by one through materials. Yeah, so it gives you a lot more granularity and a lot more having the material right in front of you in, it, anywhere in the world. But in general, what the lab is looking at as part of the innovation is to bring in external innovators. This is not something simply of the lab itself then, is it? Well, so we 
operate in a few different directions, right? So we invite innovators to come in. We've also had a staff innovator in residence who has tackled some digital preservation issues that have been thorny and needed special attention. We foster a community of staff who learn from each other about coding and different things that help them uh, innovate in their work. And researchers beyond uh, the innovators, but we engage all, all manner of people. Working with the exhibits group, and we're working really across the library. We're speaking with Nicole Saylor. She is the newly appointed chief of the Digital Innovation Lab at the Library of Congress. And tell us about yourself. Are you new to this job, also new to the library? Well, for the past eight and a half years, I was the director of the American Folklife Center Archives, the library. So I come from the collection side, and my job there was to manage a team of people who acquired, preserved, prepared, and made accessible the world's largest ethnographic archives. So lots of uh, field work, lots of personal narratives and things like that that document folk culture. They used to have a whole big folk life event down on the National Mall for many years. I don't know whatever happened to that, but that was a lot of fun. Right. The Smithsonian uh, does that, and we support that sometimes with them. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get that back sometime when people aren't so afraid to go outside. And what are your plans? What would you like to see the Digital Innovation Lab move into as you kind of get your sea legs here? I think for me, what pleases me is that there's so much good already happening, and I think that my job is to help boost the signal, amplify the work that's happening, and also, you know, connect experimentation more deliberately to library decision-making and and make that more explicit. So the results of the experiments, how can they inform day-to-day priority setting and technology innovation at the library? And what's it like to work in a congressional agency? (laughs) Never boring. Never boring. And earlier you mentioned cloud computing, and that gets into the technological front that may apply to all of this. What are some of the technologies helping to enable this innovation through digital conversion or post-digital conversion? Right. So we have projects underway that use AI, machine learning in particular, to be able to make more accessible the collections by using this technology and using this technology in conjunction with having human intervention as well. So what's important, I think, for a cultural heritage institution like ours is that we also are, we're not just looking at the technical frameworks, but we're looking at the ethical frameworks, right? Uh, what, What is appropriate and not appropriate to do with collection materials using this technology, which is incredibly powerful and amazing, but also has its challenges. Yeah, give us an example maybe of an ethical application of AI to something that might be found in the library's digital collection. There's a lot of ways to go. I think going slowly with this technology is really important. I think not all materials need to be scoped into use for this. So we we have, you know, oral narratives, things that may be more culturally sensitive that don't need to be computed on in mass and be used in ways that people never intended. So I think being really mindful of of the curatorial choices for when we apply the technology is, is one of the key factors. And by the way, are you looking at holographics as a way to present historical figures or performers and things that might be in the collection? I've I've seen that in other domains and it's a big project to do that, but is that something you're thinking about? Well, this is a little outside of my lane, but um, I will say that I did see some technology last week or two weeks ago on this very thing and thought, that's amazing. I don't know what the library's plans are for such things, but yeah, that's definitely out there. All right. Nicole Saylor is chief of the Digital Innovation Lab at the Library of Congress. Thanks so much for joining me. 
Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Check out the Federal Drive on your own. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, 
throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is 
is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.